Welcome to the Hooked on Fantasy Podcast with your host, Luke Sawhook. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is Hooked on Fantasy. As always, I'm your host, Luke Sawhook. Thank you for joining me for another episode today of some fantasy football goodness to get you through your week. Uh, today we have a bit of a curveball, a bit of a shorter episode in the mix here, uh, getting back in the rhythm of things after a short break for my college spring break, graduating this uh, next month, by the way, which is kind of crazy. Um, but this should be a fun little episode here. I asked you guys for some questions over on Twitter uh, back on March 29th. So actually, these are these are a little bit old, um, but hey, don't, don't pretend that they're old, okay? Pretend that they're fresh and brand new and uh, amazing. But anyway, we actually have a pretty juicy one to start things off here. So let's just get right into this here, and it's time for our first ever Hooked on Fantasy Mailbag. Let's get into it. All right, so over on Twitter, like I mentioned, Robert Kelly at Robert K 38670514 commented, FFPC vetoed a trade proposal to me and accepted by me yesterday uh, because they deemed it a bad trade by the proposing party. Do you see this as being fair or a commission overstepping their boundaries? So he accepted a trade that was uh, submitted to him, and then the commissioner overturned it. Uh, and do I see this as a commissioner overstepping their boundaries? I replied back on March 29th, of course. Uh, Katie sent me the trade, and he said this is a lengthy, uh, lengthy one, but the trade was my 411, the pick four, uh, round four, pick 11, for Terrace Marshall. Wait. Sorry, <laughs> my bad. It is rookie pick 411 and Terrace Marshall for Cup and James Conner. We accepted because why wouldn't you? We placed a second last year with two firsts this year. Trade went through, two league members vetoed. Commission said Cup is worth the 105. So this guy, it seems like Robert uh, fleeced the manager for Cooper Cup and James Conner, who apparently he was dropping. Um, or I assume that's at least who the Connor is that this this guy's referring to is James. Uh, so he got uh, Cooper Cup for very very cheap. Seems like the four eleven Terrace Marshall definitely is not worth Cooper Cup plus in my opinion. Absolutely not. I mean I agree. Um, and, and you know I I I don't really know um, if that's if that's league breaking to the point where you need a veto. But I I think it's fair to the point where I think that might be worth a veto. I'm very anti-veto you know as I'm sure a lot of people are on fantasy Twitter these days you know I feel like most people who play fantasy football are you know what I would I would say as anti-veto in terms of fantasy football trades um, but th- this is this is one I think might be worth doing it just because I feel like in my brain I don't really see how you can you can rationally uh, you know think that Cooper Cup Plus, you know, he added an additional player here is worth the 411 rookie pick. I'm assuming the rookie pick, uh, which is basically worth nothing. And then Terrace Marshall, which is, you know, he, he has some upside. You know, he has some upside. But I don't think anyone thinks that he has a chance of developing into a top 15 fantasy wide receiver. You know, I, I certainly don't. And Cooper Cup is no, is no uh, you know, just top 20 wide receiver. I mean, this is a guy who is the number two wide receiver in fantasy football points per game last season. So I, I think all things considered here, I, I think this might be worth a veto. And I personally do not see this as a commissioner overstepping their boundaries, Robert. So, I mean, good luck, brother, be, uh, you know, best of luck. But I think this is one that you can't really get away with there. 
although the trade was proposed to you. Uh, we have a question from Sir Big D on Twitter. Shout out to Sir Big D. Uh, he is a legend. He supports all my content. His nickname is, uh, you know, a little sus, but, you know, we like him. We love him anyway. Uh, he asked, would I trade Najee Harris and the 111, the rookie pick 111, for Will Levis? If that is that a fair deal in Superflex PPR? Uh, I personally do not think uh, that you should do that. I personally would not uh, because, you know, I think in a Superflex League draft, well, first and foremost, let's talk about Najee Harris. Najee Harris has had a bit of an up-and-down start to his career in terms of fantasy football stock. You know, his rookie year, he was a volume machine back in 2021, uh, finished as a top 10 running back, and, uh, you know, he had a really solid year. It was not very efficient, and, you know, a lot of people started to point that out in terms of the value of him being a little weaker than people might think just because, you know, he was able to take that volume and convert it into pretty decent fantasy football production in his rookie season. Um, but, you know, this past year, it was not the case. You know, it didn't work out as well uh, this time for Najee Harris. So, you know, in that instance, I personally would much rather have the 111 and Najee Harris uh, rather than Will Levis. And let me explain that a little bit more here. So Will Levis, I think, is a, you know, he's a solid rookie draft pick coming up in a super flex league draft. But I think all things considered with the players that are coming off the board first, I mean, the Bijan Robinson's the 101, right? And then from there, you're, you're going to have C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Jameer Gibbs, maybe a wide receiver or two go before Will Levis. So, I mean, that's, I don't think Will Levis goes until at least the 106, 107 range in a rookie draft in the first place, right? So if you think about it that way, Najee aside for a second, you're basically swapping the 111 for around the 106 to 107 at the highest. You know, I mean, there's a chance that Will Levis could slip to you at the one. Excuse me, at the 111, honestly. I mean, if you think about it, really. So, with all that being said, you know, if you include Najee Harris a bit more in, this, in the, the equation here, you're essentially paying a top 20 running back at minimum. Let's say not top 24 running back at minimum. And the 111 for, for maybe like the 108, you know. I, I, I don't really see the value here. Uh, I personally would much rather have the Najee in the 111 side than Will Levis. I like Will Levis. I really do. Uh, I think he's a, he's really overhated right now as a player. I think he's going to be a solid fantasy contributor who gets, uh, you know, pretty good real-life draft capital. I think this guy's going to go top 15. I think it's pretty much a lock at this point, unless there's some behind-the-scenes circumstances going on. But I, I think Will Levis definitely is going to be a uh, a top-end prospect in terms of being the, the, the status that he receives in the NFL draft. I think he's going to get some decent draft capital, and I think that's – you know, uh, usually a pretty positive indicator of fantasy football success, in my opinion, with the quarterbacks, uh, or at least value-wise, right? I mean, even if Willis doesn't play a snap for your fantasy football team, you can still move him in a trade to get some pieces back, some value back there. So I definitely think I prefer the Najee Harris side of that deal, personally. Badger asks, uh, at Andrew Muller Zero, why do you hate on the quadfather so much? The quadfather, for those who are uncultured, is A.J. Dillon, running back for the Green Bay Packers. And listen, I, I don't know why... I like A.J. Dillon as a player and as a guy a lot. I think he's a really, really nice dude. And I think that he is a really good player. But for some reason in fantasy, he just doesn't do it for me. I, I just don't know what it is. I think he's just been, you know, kind of living in Aaron Jones' shadow for the early stages of his career so far in Green Bay. With Aaron Rodgers likely out the door, I think that means, you know, lower total touchdown amounts in this team. You know, in his rookie year, I, I, I think that a lot of people got really excited due to a bit of a sampling bias. Um, you know, from that hot stretch he had when Aaron Jones was a little bit banged up to end the year. And, you know, 
the, the, the case coming in for him last year is, you know, he was being drafted as like a top 20, top 15 running back in redraft leagues. And I just didn't see him as that. You know, I, I thought he was going to be a guy who was definitely like a top 36 running back and would give you some top 24 weeks. And, you know, that's kind of what he did this year. Um, but he really, really disappointed. And I, I think the reason was, you know, he just wasn't getting those touchdowns. And I personally really try to avoid fantasy players who are pretty touchdown dependent in terms of their production, especially if I get a guy who needs touchdowns. Let's say for like Damian Pierce, for example, right? He needs touchdowns. You know, he doesn't catch a lot of passes. He, he He's mostly doing his work on the ground or Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb or any of these guys. They need to score touchdowns, right? So, I mean, I like those players, but I should preface with, if you're going to need to score touchdowns to be a high-end fantasy producer on a week-to-week basis, I'm also going to need you to be the lead back, right? I think that's a fair assumption, okay? So in Green Bay, not only does AJ Dillon need touchdowns, he's a between-the-tackles grinder. Can he catch passes? Yes, but he's not going to be, you know, third in target share on that team. You know, ne- never, never. Aaron Jones is going to steal enough work away from AJ Dillon to the point where Dillon's fantasy value is just lower, you know, by default. So, you know, if you're if you're cutting touchdowns in half between them, let's say he gets four on a season and Jones gets four. I mean, that's eight total touchdowns for the field. That's that's a little low, but it's just an example, right? I mean, you're having this touchdown production with Jones. You know, he, he's going to get his touchdowns. Most of the receiving work goes to Jones, even though Dillon already gets limited receiving work. That's even more limited to Jones. You know, it's going to Jones. And then you're going to have to split those carries as well. You know, it's, it's going to be a... Uh, it's going to be a pretty difficult road for someone like A.J. Dillon to truly break free of the shackles of Aaron Jones to become a fantasy-relevant running back at the top level. You know, is he fantasy-relevant? Absolutely. Is he still young? Yes. Does he have a fun play style? Absolutely. Do I think his quads are very, very uh, voluptuous? Absolutely. But do I think that he's going to be a top 24 running back next season, or did I think he was going to be one last season? Absolutely not. I think his ceiling is definitely capped. With Aaron Jones there. And listen, if this if this all seems like foresight to you, or hindsight 2020, it is. Because at the time when I tweeted before the season started last year, that A.J. Dillon does not have a top 12 ceiling with Aaron Jones in the backfield, people were coming from my neck. It was a controversial opinion at the time to have that Aaron Jones was taking away a lot of ceiling from A.J. Dillon. But here we are. You know, it, it's just the circumstance of of fantasy football and, you know, how his value shakes out. He just doesn't really get the receptions that have high-end value. He needs the touchdowns, and with Aaron Jones present in that backfield, not, not that he is a better goal line back than Dylan, but I mean he's gonna fall in the end zone some, you know. Um, especially with Aaron Rodgers at the door now, I'm just not a big fan of his dynasty outlook. I just don't know if he's ever gonna be a guy who can who can take the steps to the next level. So that's the thing with AJ Dylan for me personally. Thank you for the question, Badger. I appreciate that. Up next we have Baja Blast Baptism on Twitter at Ghost Neuron the Third. Uh, he says, I sold Michael Gallup and Rashad Bateman for Trey Burks in a 10-team dynasty. Should I be as excited as I am? I think you absolutely should be, man. I, I mean, Michael Gallup's not getting any younger. He's been struggling with injuries. Hasn't really had a solid season of production, you know, that good in his career, really. Rashad Bateman is, he, he's, he has potential. You know, he has potential. He's still a young guy. Uh, he's had some problems with injuries early in his career. The big question marks there in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, new offensive coordinator, what's going on there with that situation. But I still think he has talent. I still think he has a future. Absolutely. But Traylon Burks has a future. You know, if you subscribe to my newsletter, uh, which I recommend doing, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you probably should subscribe to the newsletter because uh, you support my content. You like my work and I appreciate you for being here. But 
did a whole player profile on Traylon Burks. And when he was playing with Brian Tannehill last year towards the end of the season, I mean, he was fantastic. His route participation's up. His target share's up. He had the best game of the season against Jair Alexander Green Bay last year. The only real thing with Traylon Burks were truly is Derrick Henry's in the way. And, you know, once Derrick Henry leaves and this team's identity hopefully shifts more to the passing attack, um, inevitably. I mean, they have to, right? I mean, they barely pass the ball ever. Burks won't have to worry about his being so efficient, you know? Uh, and that's a, that's a big problem for him is his, his efficiency. Is, you know, he, he has a lack of making those big plays happen. Well, sorry, he has a lack of volume. He, he's actually very efficient. He's one of the most efficient wide receivers in the NFL. I just mean he won't have to worry about being as efficient in the future and will hopefully get to seek more volume as a wide receiver in the NFL. And yeah, that's what we're kind of hoping for, for Traylon Burks as he takes the next step in his career. Uh, but Burks is a very talented wide receiver. And I definitely think that he is a very bright future in Tennessee or wherever he may play for the rest of his career. Um, you know, he's a big athletic guy, nice yak player, really consistent uh, downfield threat, field stretching kind of guy. I think he's a, a really nice spark play fantasy option. He had some nice games this past season for fantasy, and I, I think that's a nice win, a nice trade for you, Baja. I really appreciate that uh, question, man. Thank you. Uh, we have a bit of a fun one here from We Hate Rob on Twitter. Shout out Rob, man. He's a nice guy. Uh, he's always been a, a, a friend of mine on Twitter. He's a, he's a nice man. Uh, shout out Rob. He asked me a bit of a fun one. Uh, would you rather live the rest of your life with your non-dominant hand tied behind your back, so my left hand behind my back, or a rollerblade on your non-dominant foot? Uh, it's a good, it's a great question. You know, it is, it's essentially, do I want to be on rollerblades for the rest of my life or do I just not want to have a left hand? And I think the answer to this is honestly pretty simple. You know, he also doesn't even specify the question, you know, am I always wearing rollerblades? Am I wearing a rollerblade on my non-dominant foot? Um, because, you know, I, I, he says in the question, rollerblade on non-dominant foot. Uh, and if that's the case, I mean, I think I have to go with my left hand behind my back. You know, I don't want to have one rollerblade. Is it's horrible. You can't get around anywhere like that. I mean, you're basically uh, not wheelchair bound necessarily, but I mean, you're going to have to really rework the way you live your life with mobility. Um, but with one hand behind your back, I mean, you still have your arm. I mean, it's not like you are amputating your arm or your hand or anything. Uh, you just essentially just have your hand behind your back. So you can still use your arm for stuff and, you know, you can do whatever. Uh, it's not that bad. I, I definitely think I would take, the, I think I'd take the hand personally. And we have a question here from The Alchemist at Vex underscore Alchemy on Twitter. Shout out to him. He's a really amazing member of the community. Shout outs, man. Really appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, he asked, after Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, and Zach Charbonnet, what rookie running back are you targeting for your team? That's a great question. And my personal RB4 in this class is Ty J Spears, running back out of Tulane University. Uh, I love his film. Love his film. If you guys have not seen Ty J Spears yet, I highly recommend turning on the film. He has great burst, great vision. He has some nasty, nasty jukes in his back pocket. I just think this guy can be a really dynamic playmaker at the second level. Doesn't have the best hands in the world, but I think that he can develop that part of his game as he gets further into his career. Um, but honestly, I just think that between the tackles uh, as a runner, he's electric. I, I, I think this guy is probably going to get, uh, hopefully, not hopefully, he's either going to get late day two draft capital in the third round or fourth round, in my opinion. I would be pretty surprised if he slipped further than that at the drafts. And, you know, at that point of draft capital, I think that he definitely has a chance to develop into a starting running back caliber role. And I think his stuff is good enough to really, you know, give a starting running back a run for his money with his explosiveness, his his fluidity in the open field, his burst. Uh, I think that he could be a really exciting running back to watch at the next level who has a ton of juice. Uh, so I definitely am interested in Tajay Spears. Thank you so much, uh, The Alchemist, for the question. 
Up next, we have a question from Coach Rice at RetroRice1 on Twitter. Shout out to Coach Rice as well. He's another amazing member of the community. Uh, what are some rookies that you feel that are good sleeper picks in upcoming drafts? Ooh, some some sleeper pick rookies. I think I'll, I'll throw this out here too. I, I actually just finished up a mock draft article uh, with the, the team over at Draft Sharks, where I'm a content intern. And the last pick in my Superflex draft, I was able to get Stetson Bennett. And listen, I know he's old. I know he's not very mobile. Well, actually, he is pretty mobile. I'm not gonna lie. He actually ran a really good 40 time. I remember. Never mind. Never mind. Um, but listen, Stetson Bennett could be a dude. He could be a dude, you know, he could be a dude. In Superflex rookie drafts, Stetson Bennett is a sleeper that you want to have on your roster. I think that he is a great leader. I think that he is a better passer than people get him credit for. I think the only reason he really has concerns are his age and his size. Size is totally valid. Age also pretty valid. But I mean, a lot of teams could use a guy like Stetson Bennett in their locker room right now. He's a great leader. He's a guy who's going to, you know, approach things the right way in terms of his preparation. I mean, he's a winner. We know, I mean, he's a back-to-back national champion at Georgia. I think he's going to be a guy who can go in there, uh, you know, really impress people during training camps. I think he's going to impress a lot of coaches too. Um, you know, Setson Bennett's a really well-put-together young man. Um, I was really impressed from what I saw with him at the NFL Combine. And I think that he's going to be a guy who, if you want a super flex quarterback late in the draft, in your rookie drafts this year, who has a chance to become a starting quarterback, I think it's Stetson Bennett. He had a fantastic throwing session at the Combine. Fantastic. He threw better deep balls than Will Levis did. Supposed, I have a cannon quarterback, Will Levis. I think he threw better than Will Levis did at the Combine. Uh, He had a really, really good day. A very, very impressive day. And I think that he might be drafted a little higher than people expect. I wouldn't be surprised if he went in the third or fourth round. I'll say it. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I think he has a lot of really nice intangibles that a lot of teams are looking for, and I think he's a better pass than people give him credit for. I'll say it. I like Bennett deep. I really do. I really do. I think he's he's my favorite deep sleeper in the class so far uh, at quarterback. And then the last question here from Nate G to bring us home at Nate Gutierrez 8 on Twitter. What is Kyle Pitts' value right now in any format? Since I play most of them, I don't have any shares in Dynasty, but it seems like he's the highest uh, price as high as ever. Dear God, if that's not a difficult question. Okay, in Dynasty, I still think Pitts is the Dynasty tight end one. I don't know. Call me crazy. Call me crazy. I don't know. I think he's in the conversation. Maybe he's the tight end two behind Kelsey. I think you have to put Pitts above Andrews right now with the Lamar Jackson uh, situation going on there. I think right now that I'm, I'm thinking about it out loud and talking about it, I think I have to put Kelsey at tight end one just because... We haven't seen a decline. He's attached to Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's the heart and soul of that Chiefs passing attack. I mean, we have to put up a one. And I played Dynasty for a two to three year window. And while Kelsey's getting up there in age, do I think he can be the tight end one or tight end two or tight end three for the next two or three years? Absolutely. I mean, we haven't seen anything that, you know, indicates the other side of that coin. So I I, I like I like Kelsey as the tight end one. But Pitts, he's just so young. And so talented. And that's the thing that's the issue with Kyle Pitts. We've we've seen it from him in his rookie year. He didn't get the touchdowns, but he had the most receiving yards of a rookie since Mike Ditka, a tight end. Mike Ditka. I mean, that's a long-standing record. Uh, Kyle Pitts is a very talented player. He's He's a wide receiver playing tight end out there. And, you know, this Atlanta Falcons offense is searching for an identity outside of running the ball. And while they have Kyle Pitts and Drake London, it seems like their head coach right now does not feel like giving them that many targets. You know, 
Um, so I, I think they're looking for their quarterback. Once they get their quarterback, and I think they shift more towards a passing attack, uh, Pitts is going to be dominant. But n- next season, I wouldn't feel comfortable ranking Kyle Pitts higher than my tight end six or tight end five. But that being said, man, he is so, so young and has so much room to grow that I think he has to be the tight end too. If you look at the rest of the top-notch fantasy tight ends out there right now, they're just older. There are a lot of them are older, you know, and that's kind of the nature of the tight end. Oh, excuse me, my mic got unplugged. My apologies. Uh, I was saying it's kind of the nature of the tight end position in the NFL sometimes, though. You know, I mean, a lot of these guys take longer to break out and develop than a than a lot of other guys do. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's I think it's important to remember that a lot of these tight ends and a lot of these guys take a few years to develop and come into their own, you know? Um, so I, that being said, I think Pitts is the tight end too in dynasty and value wise. I mean, that's worth at least two first round picks. I think a 2023 first and a 2024 first is, is roughly what it would cost to take away a Kyle Pitts from a dynasty roster. Um, he's going to be an expensive asset. You know, that age is, is the juiciest part there. I mean, by the time he's 26 or 27, I would think Kyle Pitts has a tight end one season under his belt. Just saying, I think it's possible. I think it's possible, but there's, there's a lot to change and there's a lot to, uh, you know, really take in here in the Atlanta Falcons situation there, uh, with their, with their low passing volume and their quarterback situation and controversy. But that'll be something to monitor in the future. And I'm pretty looking forward to, you know, looking at their situation and how it develops over the off season with supposedly Desmond Ritter as their starting quarterback, but I would not be surprised if they bring in somebody to compete either through the draft or, or a veteran to come out there and compete. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Hooked on Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and subscribe to my newsletter for for fresh articles delivered to your inbox every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Excuse me, I just burped again. (laughs) Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye.